40 years old. 40 years old. You're 40 years old, Andreas. Yes. What, is it, what does it mean? Ah, uh, not much. It's just uh, the second half of my life. Nothing else. Nothing more. But you, you, you sent me an email about it. Obviously, you must have thought about it. It's, it was a yeah, moment but I, of uh, reflection. But I, I don't, I don't remember what the email was about. But I can imagine it was probably uh, I was talking about death because this was uh, not because I, I, I turned forty. Uh, but death was definitely a topic that uh, occurred or that uh, um, crossed my mind uh, many times in the last 10 months because the coronavirus uh, yeah, m made me think oh, humanity is uh, um, making weird decisions because probably uh, they fear death so much, especially in Europe, I think. Is it the pain of death or the non-existence or both? I, I think it, it's just the, the, the non-essence of the existence that makes people fear death. The, the nothing. Yeah. The nothingness. I mean, not, not only this, also what, uh, what uh, Kaczynski said, uh, that people are not using their, their body anymore, so they are not using the tool, this wonderful tool they have uh, for work. And I'm not, I'm not talking about physical workout in, in a gym. You, you have to do proper work um and uh yeah i think uh something i i finally started to understand recently was also that probably uh the fear of death is also caused by something that you mentioned recently many many times which is the gods or being religious and i think uh modern people in the west especially or mostly um definitely are lacking um a god or or a religion or be or having something like spirituality and i think this could be the third reason or another reason why um yeah they they fear death and then there is probably one more reason which is they accumulated so many materials or we accumulated so many materials that that we don't just want to leave and leave these uh, things behind. I think there is multiple reasons why for Westerners death is so different than for, for many other people in the world. Yeah, well, there's certainly the idea that if, if your life, the meaning of your life comes from all of these worldly possessions, death, <laughs> death and losing all the worldly possessions, that's the biggest loss. Maybe the worst, worse, than the worst, worse than the loss of your own life. Which is that you just lost all your possessions. You, yeah. Yeah. You've been stripped of everything. Not just that you experienced the nothing, but you can't take the, what was meaningful in your life with you, which is all the stuff. <laughs> oh man, that's that's. I, I, th I think the best way There's to a lot die of layers is actually to, uh, to die as a as a poor person. You have nothing left. You just you don't regret that uh, that you gave away everything, and uh, this is how you die. So you would you say that someone with with very few things, no possessions, fears death less than someone with a lot of possessions? Yeah, it's only one reason, as I said. I mean, there, there, right. are, there are definitely right. uh, more factors uh, that are important. Um, but yeah, I think I think uh, um, it also plays a role, or could play a role. Not necessarily, but it's definitely possible. But yeah, but uh, very uh, strange for me how Europeans uh, react to the coronavirus. 
So you don't even want to imagine if something bigger happens. Europe is so blessed with a, uh, being in a in a in a in an area in the world where the climate crisis uh, still has not uh, hit it hardest. Um, and yeah, and of course it's a very wealthy wealthy part, but it seems we don't allow. Uh, uh, we don't allow ourselves to die, uh, and uh, I think it's it's a part of the whole. So it's a problem of the whole society, um, which brings me back, or which uh, brings me back to something I, I want to talk later, maybe about the Egyptians, because probably they use their physical uh, existence on this planet as preparation for uh, their soul to travel um, to the heaven. So for them, it was just uh, uh, a time of preparation. And I cannot imagine that these people had something like fear. But it's also interesting that they buried people with a lot of objects and uh, they sacrificed animals and put them in there. And uh, uh, so they did have the sense that you were bringing things with you yeah. on your... Yeah. To... Maybe, maybe, they, maybe they thought huh. they, they could be useful up there. I don't know. Maybe Amazon should offer such a service. Don't worry; these products, these products will go with you after you're gone. <laughs> maybe there's, maybe that's the the, the new frontier of uh, selling things, which is like there is an afterlife, and you can bring our products with you. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it is. It is quite interesting. I I have this I have this theory though, which is that um, the experience of death and physical pain is much more intense. The fear of death and, and the feeling of physical pain is much more intense for a person who is an atheist, who is a materialist science person who thinks that that's the only meaning. I think it's very hard for them to experience. It's a very lonely experience for them. That's that's foremost thing, which is that they feel as though they're undergoing this, these trials of maybe bad health or um, slow dying or loss, uh, an eventual uh, experience of nothing. They feel as though they're doing it alone and there will be nothing. And that is a very daunting prospect that they live and die alone and then go to the nothing. But and uh, Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Uh, but you know what, it in, what, what is interesting? I mean, you, you, keep, on, you keep talking about uh, being religious and, and the gods for quite a while. I think you started maybe early this year uh, talking about these things. And I considered myself definitely, even until a few months ago, I considered myself a non-believing person. Because I remember in, in Burma, in, in Myanmar on the island, uh, somebody asked me because they are normally Buddhist. Uh, Buddhists and uh, and for them it is hard to understand that a, a, a white person uh, is not a is, is not a Christian anymore and one of them asked me what my religion is and I, I explained I don't have a religion I, I took a handful of sand and then I just let it run uh, uh, through my fingers um, and I explained this is what I believe basically I will become soil i will become uh, the material uh, that is the foundation for new life to uh, to be formed but i don't i don't believe in, in anything else i don't believe in 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 yeah in heaven or a, a traveling soul or whatever but also this coronavirus uh, 
I mean, and you definitely triggered uh, tr triggered something. Uh, I I started to think about the gods, whatever you meant, because you you said so many times that I'm a religious person. I had no clue what you meant. I still don't understand it, because uh, uh, when you when you mentioned this a couple of times, I don't think that it was the case, to be honest. Um, but because of the coronavirus, because it is it is a very stressful, it is a very challenging time. Uh, I think you take it quite easy for you it's not a big problem but uh, my life was definitely uh, uh, yeah, changing changing a lot not to the better definitely to the worst and I, I literally can feel the pain of the world right now there is so much suffering and it, it seems to me that yeah I I can I can feel it this pain this suffering um, But what, what you speak about feeling, you speak about feeling that pain and suffering, though. But at the same time, you sent me an email where you're 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 feeling yourself that you're not able to feel, like your actual. Yeah, uh, but uh, maybe that's a protection mode. I mean, it, it it it's similar to the to the experience I had. I mean, now it's it's pretty normal. You know, I I can I cannot expose myself to stress. Um, I'm not reading news anymore, uh, for example, and um, yeah, I'm I'm doing much much or many more things that are stress relieving. Um, but yeah, like nine years ago, I don't know what it what it could have been. I called it. I I lost my soul. Maybe it's something called the depersonaliz depersonalization. It was by far not as bad as nine years ago. But I I was already there. Maybe it's some. Uh, maybe other people call it a burnout. I I really don't know. But for me, it, it was a definitely a stressful time the last ten months. Um, but what was I talking now about? Um, Well, you were talking about um, death in the West and, uh, you know, uh, but still how protected Westerners are uh, and your religious sense. I was I, speaking about you being a religious person. Yeah, exactly. So you came up with the, with these emails uh, uh, all of a sudden and you, you started to talk about the gods uh, and, and uh, religions or being religious. You did not talk about religions. But you also, I mean, this is what we talk about so for, for years already. Uh, is you, you talk about the, the people of the north, the Inuit, the Eskimos. And uh, this is, a, of course, very interesting for me, you, uh, although it is not uh, the most interesting area for me or region for me, uh, because I'm more uh, attracted to Polynesia and South America uh, and uh, to a certain extent uh, to, to Southeast Asia. Um, But nonetheless, it it was always very interesting, and I I, I remembered um, when you when you spoke about uh, how they use language, for example. And um, but I think uh, and and you all you of course you all all the time uh, said, or are you aware of the fact that these people are very spiritual people? They have some kind of religion. Uh, they follow traditions which are based on uh, on religion, and their the language probably also makes them uh, to be connected to to Earth, to the universe, uh, or to their gods much more than our language. I think our our language changed the way we we use our brain in terms of being able to believe or not very much. Yes, I I think that I think you hit upon it right there, which is that the way we speak now has been so influenced by, I guess, what you could historically call as the Enlightenment, um, reason, the privileging of reason and science and mm -hmm. logic uh, over... Um, and it's not just the privileging of those things, but it's the almost the complete rejection of 
a spiritual life of uh, a, a wordless a wordless experience like um, mystical um, things that are beyond language if it can't be said in this culture it it's rejected outright if it mm-hmm. can't be studied it observed it's rejected as nonsense and there may be nothing wrong with saying it's nonsense but this is a nonsense which is a loaded term it's pejorative it's it's negative it's saying that's not even worth looking at. That's ridiculous. It's not worth studying. It's, it's not worth anything at all. It's uh, to be tossed aside. It's nonsense. And there are a lot of people that feel that way about um, all of these religious people and religious practices, and they think they're stupid as a result. They think that they're not uh, cultured. They're not enlightened. Mm. And this is this is now embedded in our language. If you go to a university and you you, you study something academically, you're you're using a, a whole framework of language which has this implicit assumption and implicit it's this it's just implicit it's there and but, but um, do you think it is uh, only limited to uh, uh, academics because i think it's also part of the uh, part of the the people with, without so much education the language is oh, there and yeah. it, it, it shapes our mind it, sh- it it shapes our way of thinking and i think it does it for uh, for uh, I, I would estimate now two and a, uh, yeah, I don't know, uh, the Latin language probably uh, was a, the beginning maybe of, of this uh, way of thinking. I, I, I often wanted to do like a study of, um, you could look at books, for instance. Um, you could, you could do, a, I'd like to do a massive study, just charting the changes in language. Uh, you know, Heidegger, the philosopher, got into this a lot. He was, mm-hmm. he was saying that language tells, he called it language as the house of being. And he said that your language tells you about how people live and how uh, generally, I mean, I'm, I'm summarizing. It's, it's more complicated than that. But he would go into like a word and he would look at the etymology. He would look at the whole history of a word and he would discover like this word used to mean this in the past. And the changes in that word indicated the changes in human life, formed the form of our, our, our existence. And I, see, I think certainly we've... We've taken words which were maybe religious words in the past and either uh, not u- stopped using them or we've transformed them into something which is non-religious or, or, or transformed like a spiritual word into something that's more material. Like, I, 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 maybe I should probably think about examples of all this, but I'm, I'm not, I don't have anything right now. But I'm, I think generally science, it, science is dominant. Reason is dominant. Logic is dominant. I, and it fits the technological capitalist system very well. It, it's it's self-supporting. Yeah, I, I think I exactly know what you mean. So, but you know what happened in the last couple of weeks to me? Because it's such a challenging time, so probably also uh, my mind uh, started to work differently because of, of so much stress. Um, as, I, as I told you, um, I never considered myself a religious person. But because I, I suffered something like a lost soul, which to me meant I lost one level of consciousness, consciousness which was the emotional consciousness, um, implied to me, okay, if, if I can lose one out of two uh, levels of consciousness, so I can imagine there is a third one. And of course, I, I, I knew already, I heard about people doing meditation, uh, getting enlightened, uh, uh, taking ayahuasca or other uh, uh, psychedelics, uh, opening uh, a door to a third uh, level of consciousness. So I was a, I was a strong believer. Um, I made my personal experiences too. 
which were uh, not totally convincing, but uh, they definitely uh, made me more and more curious. So it's definitely going to be a part. So psychedelics, I'm pretty sure, are also a key uh, to find a way uh, to think more similarly uh, to what we what we are used when when we only have access to the two normal uh, levels of consciousness. But I would um, say psychedelics psychedelics though are they're a way of reunifying the world, reconnecting the whole world. Science uh, has but may, maybe the maybe, way we live is broken. But may, maybe this is all all part of it. Maybe maybe language is a key to be connected to to be united uh, with the world. I would um, say yes. I would say yes. But look at the, um, I always bring up the Inuit as an example, but every word they use has a function, which is like a, a, a lived experience. It references a history. It references how to do something technically in the world. It makes reference to um, the divinities. Their lives have a, maybe not so much today, but their lives have a unity. Their lives had a unity. Um, and I think that unity has been destroyed in the West. So people are able to, to take one aspect of, of their experience and, and they can live just according to that, right? Yeah. And uh, they're, they're broken. Their life has been broken up. It may be... Uh, and the, the reason it's been broken up is you take this dominant position of science, which is analysis, the assumption that there's an ego, separate, an observer, a subject, and you, 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 you take this apparatus and you apply it to everything. And guess what? You destroy the unity of life and the unity of experience. You lead people to have serious doubts about their own lives and the way they're living because they, they're, they're not able to really put it all together. They're only able to uh, take these aspects and look at something from here, from there. But yeah, it's it always is, within it this is, apparatus. It is very logical, very, very rational. Um, this, I, I give you two examples why I think it is actually possible not only by having a different language or a, a different use of language, uh, why it is possible to, to uh, think or to use your uh, your mind completely different. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time abroad. I'm not a person that stays uh, at home in the basement all the time. Um, and I worked with uh, people from, from uh, uh, Burma, uh, Myanmar, for example. This was the, probably the most extreme cases. Uh, the way they solve problems uh, is not thinkable in, in many, uh, many times for, for Western people. Very interesting, uh, and you are surprised that these uh, methods uh, work very well. Um, another thing is, uh, uh, I think twice it happened in, in Colombia. Uh, I was smoking weed. I don't like smoking weed uh, normally, but uh, Colombian weed seems to be... Uh, very nice and and it makes you think thoughts which you could never have but more interesting is the way you think these thoughts so not that the thought uh, is uh, is the is the more is the most interesting thing but the process of of the thinking process how you came up or how you you came uh, to this thought this is the, the more interesting thing so there are definitely ways to use your brain differently um and i mean you know i i'm 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 not a writer probably i i, I never will be but to uh to deal with the with the high stress level of the last 10 months i thought okay maybe uh, it is time to 
to write uh, not now but maybe in the future uh, a book uh, by myself and I did a lot of research I, I, I read a lot of books and I came up with with the storyline um, and um, and I came across a, a book um, that tries to explain e ancient Egypt differently uh, than the conventional uh, Egyptologists. And um, there is a, a few very interesting um, aspects about Egypt. First of all, it lasted for 4,000 years. It was, a, it was a high civilization and it lasted for 4,000 years. And uh, the, the, the peak of this civilization basically was almost at the very beginning, you know, when, when the, the earliest dynasties were and then they started building uh, uh, these uh, massive pyramids. But then there was a decline. So the, 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 biggest, the biggest rocks, uh, the, the most accurate uh, ac cut rocks uh, and, and structures and buildings and architecture um, were built at the beginning based on uh, a, math a mathematical level, astronomical level, we, which we cannot imagine that they had, but they had it. Uh, this is pretty much proven fact. So there's a, there's a lot of mystery behind all of this. But anyway, it is very interesting that a, a civilization, uh, a high civilization, does not change for 4,000 years. So you have to ask yourself the question, why is this the case? Why don't they want to uh, have something like a techno technological uh, progress like we uh, have? Uh, and why do they just stay for 4,000 years how they are? Uh, and I can imagine the, que uh, the, the answer is also because these were spiritual people. There was no need for them to change. Uh, and because we, la we lack spirituality so, so much, um, we we are searching for something, uh, and we are we are searching uh, this something in in technology, in in more si scientific knowledge, uh, and it and it um, yeah we we keep keep on uh, distancing us more and more from well, that's, the world and, and the universe. That's exactly it. Is that we no longer do things with a with the deepest sense of meaning about the world and gods and ourselves and our links to each other we have technology that's that's run off on its own it's 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 without a sense of an end a purpose the purpose is just further technology and further financialization and further growth and you have these abstract ideas and terms which motivate the whole thing economy which is what um these are all just abstractions. These are these are the sayings of bureaucrats and uh, and capitalists and corporate people. What are their ends and objectives? No one even knows anymore. The the ends and the objectives of Egyptians or Mayans or any of these civilizations were 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 seemingly spiritual, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, they weren't trying to grow an economy. They were concerned with uh, with living one's life. And I mean, I I mean, it was. No, the essence, it was deep, 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 deeply meaningful yeah. in terms of what they were doing. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so when we, we have these anthropologists and historians and people that look back on this, they say, oh, wow, they, they, these, these, these people were incredible with mathematics. And we marvel at their, 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 their ability in mathematics. But at the same time, they don't ask them, why? What was the meaning of this mathematical inquiry? Like, <laughs> how do we get at that? The, the lived experience of understanding that. 
And um, that's not really a question for, for a scientist. Scientists are not asking the meaning of gravity, you know, why we would even care to analyze it like... like yeah, or, I or, I or I, yeah, or, or a similar thing that I, crossed my mind recently. A, a scientist w w would never ask, why is there something like evolution? And they just say, okay, there is evolution because we, because, because we have to uh, adopt to, to the new environment, to the new surroundings. But why was evolution created? I mean, um, there, there are definitely more interesting uh, questions than the ones that can be uh, answered by science. Well, but, some of them, though, they, they get into crazy talk. Like when they ask the question of why, they, 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 their, their answer is, is, also, is very man-designed. Man it always is referential to human beings. It's anthropomorphic. Like when you say, why, why is there evolution or why does this thing develop and this thing doesn't? Well, then you get these, these people who say, well, it's because it's survival of the fittest and, and da, da, da. And then they say, well, because we can dominate the earth as human beings, survival of the fittest obviously means that human beings are the fittest, so that we are the center of the universe. We are the center of this world. And um, I don't know, you and I have discussed it before. It seems to me like there's other species which could make a better argument for being the center of the, the earth and the center of the world. You know, bacteria, bacteria seem to be doing a great job. Uh, coronavirus is doing a great job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 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 you know? I, I mean, right now, I think it is, it is just one level of defense uh, of, of Mother Earth right now. It, it, this is my belief now. I mean, we are, we are definitely uh, this damaging this our habitat way too much, and it, it's just fighting back. Amor, puede bajar, puede bajar este. Ella está destruyendo todo todo este podcast con ese ruido. No yeah, don't, don't, don't be too strict. <laughs> she wants <laughs> to clean the house. Yeah, but nothing is ruined. You know, it's, it's just the I know, it's authenticity of, a, of a, a working class household that makes a podcast a yeah. nice podcast. You know what? The Colombian women, they're always cleaning. They're always cleaning. <laughs> but they, they, you know, they, they choose to clean right in the middle of podcasts. That's what they do. Um, but can you believe this? Can I come back to the Egyptians one more time? So, you no, know, no, no. I, uh, Estoy hablando con Andreas. No, no, nada. <laughs> yeah, what are you saying? But um, so I, I pretty much gave up on humanity. I think uh, we, we completely lost it. We are, we are directly uh, uh, moving in, into the, I don't know what you, we, into the apocalypse. Uh, we, we are all, with the technology, the social media. It's all very dangerous stuff. With the uh, environmental uh, destruction. Uh, it will it will destroy, destroy our habitat or the habitat of uh, many many million or even billion people. Um, poverty. I mean, there's there's so many flaws in our system. It's it's just unspeak. It, it's just unimaginable how how stupid we are. But anyway, so I I already thought I recently I watched uh, uh, True Detective again and uh, and he said something. I think the biggest uh, or Matthew McConaughey said something. I think the biggest mistake of uh, evolution was. Uh, to create something as human consciousness and i believe i i mean i i started to think ah maybe this is very smart maybe the, he's right maybe we were we were not meant to to get a, a consciousness but then there, i i remember i remember there is so many good people still out there you know it's getting less and less the more the more people have access to smartphones and the modern world uh, in the third world uh the more i can we talked about this the more i saw okay um it's just getting the same and it's it's getting broken there too um 
so but because because of this book that that uh, uh, is uh, explains uh, uh, Egyptian symbolism and uh, the meanings uh, of Egyptian art and hier hieroglyphs and all of these uh, things so well, um, I started to to think this is very interesting. I mean, first of all, it's it's there for four thousand years, um, and uh, it's a civilization. Uh, so it must be possible for human beings not to to be uh, tribal people living in in uh, surrounded in, uh, by nature all the time, uh, but it more it more or less in in a more urban or uh, city like uh, a place. I don't know how the Egyptian cities or places looked like, but I can imagine it was uh, densely packed with people. Um, and then I started to think, okay, maybe it is possible to be uh, a, to have a, a more modern life, not so much uh, surrounded by by nature, but because you're a spiritual person, person to to still uh, don't lose humanity. And well, uh, there's that whole there's that whole argument, though. I think Graham Hancock he says. he says the reason they don't want us to have psychedelics is because we would we would we would realize. Um, we need to stop the capitalist system and we don't need to continue to grow. We need to be meaningful people and do things meaningfully and spiritually again. And he contrasts spirituality with the, as the opposite of growth and this model of destruction. And, the, you know, Timothy Leary had the same kind of idea that we're all just going to love each other and take the psychedelics. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, I think but so too. The, I think the, deeper, the, the deeper truth, though, the deeper truth, though, is that you actually don't need psychedelics to do it. We, we have just implicit in our language and many of these, these intellectual movements, we have created these technologies of thought and uh, language and, 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 and real technologies that have so diminished our spiritual abilities that uh, we can only just continue on with this mad project of, of uh, ego and destruction. Uh, it's, it's a suicide. It's just a, it's just it a massive species suicide. Mm -hmm. And we're, gonna, we're destroying all of the big creatures on the earth and doing it. It'll be a great day for the bacteria and the coronaviruses, but uh, we're just—we're just—it's—it's <laughs> it's just madness. But um, I mean, there's always hope, right? I mean, consciousness—we we we can be conscious of this. We're talking about it on a podcast. There's a lot of people that that are feeling this way, one way or the other. Yeah, but probably not enough. I mean, there there must be a, a critical a critical mass uh, to be able to to change uh, to change the world. Most people still most people I talk to this makes it so difficult for me you know now now I told you I gave you this metaphor already the, the little prince this book by this French author I cannot uh, uh, Saint-Exupéry yeah pronounce his name but he, he he was a pilot in Patagonia did you know this uh, he crashed ah, okay. yeah he was a pilot yeah, yeah he, he disappeared it, uh, it wasn't in Patagonia it was somewhere else uh, but, yeah, yeah. But, but anyway I I, I Obviously, I like this book, especially the first few pages. And I remember uh, these, uh, the, the, the first page um, when I had this um, insight that uh, how, how that we are lacking spirituality and probably this is the problem. And it's, it's not possible anymore for, uh, for me to, to speak to people because they are blind. And these people, most people that, that still believe in the uh, economic system and the, and, and the world we live in, uh, they are really blind. Um, and it, it reminded me of, of this uh, uh, hand drawing of this um, 
uh, snake, the, the python or boa constrictor or whatever it was with the elephant inside. Um, and uh, he, he as, a, as a boy, he showed it to, uh, to grown-ups and they, they only saw a hat. And this made him, this was so exhausting for, for him that he stopped talking to, to grown-ups uh, and he became, he, he became a grown-up himself. Um, so I think it is necessary to, to be able uh, that we at least try to see through the eyes of a child maybe or a person that lives in nature or a person uh, that, yeah, whatever, whatever uh, pure, pureness or spirituality you have um, because otherwise we are really doomed. Um, that we, ca we really cannot keep on doing what we are doing. Uh, because then in a couple of decades, uh, I cannot Im imagine that this world will be as, as, as nice as it is still nowadays. Um, but everyone's been, it's easy to be negative about stuff and say, well, it's, it's not, uh, not progressing right and, da, 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 and we're destroying things. So. Um, I, 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 look at, I look at right now as a moment where people are trying to exhaust once again certain meaningless objectives, meaningless projects, which is science and politics. And we're getting to a point, I think, um, where the technology itself has unlocked too many, too many doors. Um, and truth, truth is under attack. Like the, people can't agree on anything anymore. Mm -hmm. People have, the ego has been, the ego of every individual has been so elevated and made so unique by social media um, and their own worldviews have all been validated and everyone's feelings are supposed to be so important. And the call is out that every, everyone must be listened to equally, whether you're uh, a great politician, you have the same platform as the lowliest poor guy on the street who goes to the library and gets on a Twitter account on the, the public computer. Everyone now is legitimately a voice. And the call of justice is that everyone should be listened to and we've broken the world apart. And instead, it, there's something to be said about the, the world in which we have a, a single dominant idea, which used to be a spiritual one, right? Then maybe a dictator took it over and he made himself a godhead and a god figure. And that was kind of the beginning of the end. And now you have, now you have just the many truths, the many billions of truths that everyone is supposed to have on their own. And it's made it impossible to, to, to uh, communicate with each other. Um, it's helpful, in fact, to have authority. It's helpful to have a central figure. It's you know it might be helpful to have a single news source, a dictator, uh, to submit to something. Nobody wants to submit to anything anymore. Um, everyone thinks that they're legitimate, and um, so maybe we need to go back to uh, hierarchies and uh, people who submit to things. So, but, but but do you think it would be better to have like a, a one source of information that uh, only uh, spreads fake information? Is it better than have uh, to have two sources and and where you have to choose and and the society will be divided as as it is happening right now? I mean, and and, and prob probably both both sides, uh, the left and the right side, are manipulated by uh, news that is in many in many ways uh, manipulated and fake on both sides. Well, my fear my fear is this: is that it. If we accept this, and I think we both do, that, that people have no spiritual life and they're, they're interested in just getting things for themselves and their own pleasures, and you have a, full, a whole population of people like that who think that themselves and their pleasures are the only thing that's meaningful in the world, 
and then these people are motivated to use politics to further uh, their ambitions um, and using climate change or science to further their, their ego ambitions, uh, it becomes very dangerous than the news sources that might exist because those are exploited to, uh, to motivate them. And uh, yes, for all of these losers who are just idiots, they're just they're, they're, they're directionless people without any sense of, uh, of morality or, or virtue. Um, the, the, a single news source would be very important for keeping them in line. I mean, look at these fools that stormed the Capitol. But these, these fools are no different than these Antifa fools. These are people all who are, all of them are atheists. All of them don't believe in any God other than the God of their own ego. They were all with their live streaming this event. They basically just told the FBI, hey, here I am. Here's the evidence. Because it was more important. It was more important for these idiots to, to, to bolster their ego. And then, I mean, they're probably like, oh, and I got myself in the New York Times. I'm, I'm, my arrest was in the New York Times. I'm so cool. I, I, mean, I mean, you're just a moron. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, I, I mean, it's it, yeah. We are really a dumb society. I think I think we are at the lowest point of humanity right now. <laughs> <laughs> but there's always hope, right? We're we're still. I, I don't know. I mean, you you are definitely a way more optimistic person than I am. Um, but uh, let's see. I I still I still uh, try to stick to the plan uh, in the middle of nowhere, as remote as possible, uh, self-sufficient, uh, living as simple as possible. Uh, being surrounded by nature because this is also one one step closer to spirituality i mean there's multiple factors this will be one of them um and uh and also uh, you know i mean there's so many factors um uh, i i consider when when i i hopefully will be able to buy a, a piece of land in in spain uh l later this year hopefully these lockdowns uh, stop at some point um, but yeah, I just I just want to be as far away from from society as possible because I I don't I don't think that anything uh, good will come out of this, and I think the democracies uh, of the twenty first uh, uh, century will be the first ones that will collapse. Are you still well, there? I I, yeah. agree, I agree with you. I'm just um, I'm just. Uh, I'm just, uh, well, you know, it, but when we talk about these developments, we're talking about urban developments. We're talking about all these humans living in one small space. You know, when you, when you take animals and you, you separate them and you put them in a little space, you get wild things happening too. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just, a, it's just the concentration of, uh, of density in urban spaces. It, it, it brings out its own kind of species madness. And these ideas will get to the countryside, and, uh, and there's a reason why the countryside people are viewed as stupid and different, and they're all religious, and they have guns in here in Texas, and uh, everyone puts them down. But the reality is, is that these people are, are living in an older way, and they're happier, and they're healthier, and um, that's why you and I both talk about getting, getting out of the urban world, uh, the urban world. The urban yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not in the uh, urban world anymore, uh, anyway. But it's it's still uh, too uh, there's too much infrastructure for me, too many people, and uh, uh, not enough nature. But uh, but you know, it, it, and being negative about the world, it, and, and the world is just still an abstraction. You know, you you're getting it from you're getting the presentation of this whole place that they give to you on some uh, news channel, which is trying to sell advertising space. 
It's all no, just I, a no, big capitalist enterprise. No, not necessarily. Enterprise. I mean, I, I've I been really... to many places in the world. Um, I was I was cleaning. Uh, I was cutting uh, uh, ghost nets from uh, fish fishermen from from coral reefs. I I saw dead turtles on the beach in some cages, uh, uh, fishing cages that that are illegal. Um, I saw shark finning. Um, I saw a lot of plastic in the jungle. I, you know, uh, it, it is it is not it is not something that I I only see in in uh, in the television or on the on the computer screen. It is something that I, I see firsthand or experience firsthand. Yeah, I you know I, I you're you're right about that. It's it's the, these are particular experiences. The the news media stuff is kind of abstract, but no, you I, actually have seen. I mean, the, not, uh, not only this. I mean, we talked about how how beautiful people were uh, when I started uh, traveling 13 years ago in 2008, and I came to Cambodia, for example. I thought, oh my oh my God, this is paradise. These people are just wonderful. They they are pure. They are beautiful. They are innocent. They are smiling. They are happy, um, and you know, I, 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 when was it the last time in Cambodia? Maybe two years ago, I think it was, or three years ago. Um, these people have smartphones and uh, act similarly to, to Westerners, by far not as bad uh, as, as we are, <clears throat> but they're also getting there. They are still way, way more polite than, than we are. Uh, so it is, in my, uh, in my opinion, only uh, an, a step in the evolution uh, to be uh, the person with the smartphone and to become the person that uh, 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 films himself in the capital while taking away the uh, whatever. <laughs> in the, stealing uh, laptops and stealing yeah, podiums. You know, it, it's just <laughs> one step in the evolution to, to get there. We, we are definitely moving towards these uh, freaks and Mad, Mad Max. This technology, the social media, the manipulation, the, fa the fake news... Um, uh, that the lack of spirituality it will make us just what they are. So I, I, re so I you, really you see it as inevitable. You, you you see it. You see no culture as being able to resist this this no. atheistic technological force of ego. No, there's only only certain individuals that are, that are able to resist this uh, uh, yeah. this uh, devil devil stuff. But the interesting thing I see is that. Uh, they make it so hard to resist. Like, um, you know, my, I grew up without a television, which was, which was, it, it bothered me at the time because every, every other one of my friends was watching great TV shows. Um, and I would only rarely be able to see the A-Team and Knight Rider and uh, Airwolf, the most important television shows. That, Dukes of Hazard. Oh, that was a great show. That's been banned subsequently for the the flag on top of the car. But anyway, that's beside the point. But there were great television shows that were on TV that I could never see and only occasionally because I didn't have a television. And I was never happy with my parents, particularly my mother, for this decision. But it led to a childhood where I was forced on my own to create things and I had to entertain myself. And I was never passive. I was always an active entertainer of myself and doing stuff. Uh, but then I got to about 12 years old and I had a, I had a, in school, I had an assignment where I had to watch the weather channel like every night for a week and do a report on something going on. And my mother believes in grades and academics and this forced her hand. She had to get a television to enable me to do my homework. And this of course led to a television always existing in the house and it changed, it changed the, the way we lived. 
So the technology was allowed in. But my mother had very spiritual reasons for why she refused the technology. She, she thought there was a lot of godlessness. She was very religious at the time. But it, it, she thought MTV was evil and music videos were evil. This was the, the mid-'80s when uh, there was, you know, religious people were very concerned about this stuff. You know, rap music. Um, now these things are viewed as very, very, very um, childish and tame compared to what's happening today with the uh, tattoos on faces and things. But uh, then it was, it was, it, people were scared, but religious people. And uh, we do have these people still who resist. Um, but it's hard to resist when you have to go to school, when you have to get a job. You know, right now we're talking about the vaccinations, people who refuse to be vaccinated. What if they won't allow you onto airplanes and they won't allow you to work if you don't have a vaccination? So they force you, you know, even if there is no Bill Gates computer chip that they're putting into you, they're still going to coerce you into doing the thing that they want you to do. They're going to find a way to to make it impossible for you to live. So, uh, but, but then you see this as well with cancel culture and, you know, you take somebody who has ideas which are different and you make it impossible for them to work, have a bank account, um, you're, 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 on, you're destroyed. You're made to, to disappear without, without being killed. And they just expect you to die or something. I'm not sure. So this has become ever more powerful that the system, the structure of technology, science, atheism, a certain s- sense of justice and social justice, um, the language, you know, you're not allowed to say certain things, otherwise you lose your job. But the coercion is present at all levels, mm. and you carry it with you carry it with you in this little device that you ki- that you put in your pocket next to your reproductive organs. You carry it right there it, you, in the most in the most private place of your your body, and it radiates its little glow and its radioactivity, and it it it, it always is calling you. It's always beeping and buzzing, <laughs> ringing, uh, and it's it's always calling you. And um, I, I, how do you resist this this? You give this. You give this little gadget to uh, to anyone anywhere in the world. Give it to a little child in Cambodia. Give it to a little child in the Himalayas. I mean, they're going to be mesmerized. It'll. Just, you could. You can make them a slave. Yeah. It doesn't matter who it is. But and this is what happens to definitely way more than ninety percent of the people. We become slaves of our uh, artificially created desires all of a sudden, which we never, which we never had before. Um. Yeah, I, I see the. Yeah, definitely very pessimistic. Um, these things, and I, I think one one way to to live happy, is is to to move away from this stuff. Um, so, in, in, but but look in, at it though. In my look mission, at it though like this. Look at it though like this though. Like we look at these technologies. What do all these technologies do? They all contribute to the growth of the state in the expansion of capitalism and the enrichment of a very small elite in the enslavement of a populace. Those, these are, these are, all these technologies are used for this reason. Um, and they make things legible. They, they, they destroy private privacy and, uh, and um, the people are, are, are exposed. It diminishes their spiritual life, which is something that capitalism can, has not been able to get into, your relationship to God. Um, it hasn't been able to, to, monof- to monetize that. So it rejects that. It wants, seeks to eliminate that. The, the religious people are ostracized. But then turn it around, and getting back to Egypt, the Egyptians spent all this time in technology learning how to erect pyramids, right? They don't even know how these pyramids were erected, the technologies used to create these things. The pyramid, 
the pyramid was for death ostensibly and the afterlife and all this stuff. And they invested all of this expertise in discovering a technology which was just for some um, afterworld kind of thing. That's what they were doing. Um, it's very different from a technology that from the te- technologies that we invest in, right? Yeah, I mean, and we, I think we, we have no idea how they bu- how they built these things. Uh, but you know why we why we don't have uh, any idea, any clue why uh, those people uh, could build these things because we we don't we not only think differently um we cannot even imagine imagine how how things could be done i give you i give you an example i mean i came across some 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 people would even say esoteric people um mostly uh people that are into yoga and meditation things like this um, one person, for example, uh, knows exactly what food is not good for her. While I always say, I don't know, I just eat and then nothing happens. I mean, there is, of course, I have some re- allergic reactions uh, to milk. Um, but yeah, she just exactly knows this is not good right after eating, eating some things. Some people uh, know, okay, I'm sick what is what is the consequence i'm not eating for two days and they get healthy again um, some people can probably trigger uh, the healing process of uh, your own body or the body of a, another person so there are definitely some some skills uh, which people have i mean the, the the shamans of the amazon or, or siberia or in africa they prove it all the time that there is some some skills in the world that we cannot understand we modern people we believe, I mean, you know, we believe in medicine, in modern medicine, in, in these chemicals that are made in some, in some uh, uh, labs and things like this. This is what we believe in. But there is definitely ways to achieve certain uh, uh, solutions in, in ways we cannot, cannot imagine. And this could definitely also imply uh, to the Egyptians how they built the pyramids but perhaps perhaps the approach is all wrong when they look at the pyramids they're trying to understand the mathematics of building the pyramids the they want to use the apparatus of science and you know to to understand how they could be constructed but what if that approach was totally backwards what if you began with a spiritual approach and you said what was the spiritual objectives of the pyramid building and that would lead you to an understanding of technology like we have it backwards we keep looking at something like Oh, the shaman, the shaman does this. How does he do it in terms of the chemicals used and da 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 da, da some psycho, uh, psychological trick or something like that? Instead, we should try and understand the spiritual life of the shaman. Exactly. To understand, we have it. We have only one entrance to our understanding, which is the science, logical, rational methods, and it leads us to saying anything that fits sits outside of those methods. We reject and we say, well, there's some trickery or deceit involved here. The pyramid, the pyramid is a real problem because you have a physical structure that we cannot understand. <laughs> That's a real problem. The shaman is easily rejected. We say, oh, he's a trickster. He's a liar. He's done something we don't understand. He's, there's some trick we don't understand. He's a magician. In magic, well, as we all know, there's a solution. But the pyramid, the pyramid is like a David Copperfield trick created and it 
it sits there and it, I think people just say, well, we have to ignore it. I mean, but these are things we can't ignore, but we should, we should take the shaman and his accomplishments as seriously as we do the pyramid. And we should say, right, go ahead. No, no, keep on, keep on saying what you, what you wanted to say. Well, uh, it's, it's also, I would say this, like I listen to a lot of jazz music and there's a, there's a jazz musician, which is very influential for me. His name is Albert Eiler. And he was a hugely religious man, hugely religious. Oh man, he 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 talks. Uh, everything is God. Everything is spiritual. Everything and, and his music is just it just blows you away. But you cannot, I believe, understand him at all or get any real enjoyment from his music if you are an atheist. If you reject God and God's, if you reject divinities, if you're not open to those messages. And I'm and I'm using language to talk about all this, and it's silly. Because this is all a feeling, and he gets it in jazz. Mm. And um, you just sit down and you put this record on, you put these records on, and if you're an atheist, you're missing out. That's all I would say. You're missing out on a beautiful and profound experience that you are will, you are openly and willingly obje- uh, objecting to based on your, your silly Western ideas. If you had any opening, if you were even interested in opening the door a little bit, your experience of Albert Eiler's music would be but, really, really profound. But I wonder how it happens that you can, uh, that you can open or even find this story. You know, it, it because for me, um, I I was definitely completely my mind, my way of thinking was definitely uh, completely manipulated by by the world I live in for the uh, for uh, four decades. But just recently, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I started to think differently. So it, it seems like I'm, I'm an ostrich that, that uh, pulled out the head from the sand uh, because I heard something, a calling or whatever. Uh, and, uh, and now my, my eyes are just getting used to, uh, to, to the brightness, which is, which is very difficult. But what I did, I accepted already that the pyramid or pyramids could have built in whatever way and for me nothing is uh, not plausible anymore and I think this is this is great so maybe I will even be able to to like this jazz musician because I think I'm on, on this path already uh, to to just allow to uh, that things which are not explainable in our words in our way of thinking I just allow it to happen and I'm really looking forward to my next psychedelic experience because I think it will be so much more intense than what I what I experienced so far. Yes. I mean they talk about fighting the psychedelic experience like resisting it. You don't want to resist. You don't, I, all, you, if, I always you... had a, a second a second half of my brain the rational mind was permanently observing what is going on there. And it it you know it I was just That's a form of resistance, in, right? In, huh? Would you say? That's a form of resistance to it, to the experience. I mean, right? I, I thought I thought because I'm I, I have so much uh, respect, uh, uh, you know, I was raised very conservatively. So drugs for me, it, it was not not a, a thing that played. I mean, I, I don't take any drugs anyway. Uh, the, the, these plants, these uh, psychedelic things like mushrooms or, uh, or uh, San Pedro mescaline uh, cactus and hopefully soon uh, ayahuasca. Um, I, I don't consider them uh, drugs as the ones we, we talk about, these ad- addictive uh, substances. Uh, but nonetheless, I was so, so, so manipulated by my parents, by the television, uh, by, the, by, by the 
period or the time I grew up um, that these things are completely bad. So I had a lot of respect the first time um, when I uh, when I took them. I would I would probably until now I would never have taken them if I wouldn't have suffered uh, nine years ago when I lost my soul um, because this this was an eye opener for me. Okay, ah, oh, there is. Uh, various levels of, of consciousness there the, the for me it was the rational one the emotional one uh, and probably there must be a spiritual one this is how how i see it but when i took um, uh, psychedelics both times um, the, uh, the 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 um, normal uh, levels of consciousness especially the rational one uh, was permanently uh, observing what is happening uh, with the with the the spiritual one. Therefore, the spiritual one uh, was always just a combination of the emotional one and the spiritual one. So I never allowed. I think the spiritual one uh, to just uh, or the the emotional one to just let go the spiritual one and 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 just enjoy what is happening or experience what is happening. I think this and I I think because and. Yeah, and I think now I understand uh, that I can allow everything because I accept every every alternative uh, truth of of a, a parallel reality or whatever it is of this of this of the spirits of the gods because I experienced strange things in the last couple of weeks, um, and I I'm really looking forward to the next uh, to the next uh, experience. Well, I've begun to see it as the, um, you know, in, in reading that pollen book where he talks oh, yeah. about these these various levels of psychedelics, and I think he's I think he's got the right idea, the framework of the ego, and um, the ego would be that that seat of reason that watches and and, and and logic and it thinks about the rest of what's going on. It, you, you, but these psychedelics have different powers. Some of them destroy the ego completely, like that toad venom one, which. <laughs> Yeah, you're smoking the toad. This this seems to be very interesting because I think you need um, to 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 get this medicine to have it work. Essentially, what you maybe you're saying is that you need to destroy the ego or get the ego to just release itself, relax the ego, just 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 let go, which is harder and harder and harder to do. I think for Western people, and so you might need a much stronger psychedelic to do it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm not sure the goal is the obliteration of the ego. I mean, it might be an interesting experience to, the smoking the toad, but if you have an experience that you can say nothing about, um, that you that you've disappeared entirely in, but you're somehow still present, there's so little ego, such a tiny. I mean, I mean, what's left? That's why it seems like a very exciting experience, but like one I don't know you'd want to repeat. Um, perhaps there's different, you know, for people with different spiritual crises. Meaning, when I say spiritual crisis, I mean your ego is just too strong. You want to lessen it, relax it. A psychedelic is a is a is a form of doing it. Yeah, but, but some people, people who are already people very spiritual are not willing to do this. This is the right. problem. Right, right. They don't want to. Yeah. You live in a culture that says don't do it, don't do it, and demonizes drug use and says dr these drugs are the same as any other drug. No, I, but in I, one I, way, I, I don't think this is the this is the main problem because actually I think these people are uh, many are, are willing to take drugs. What they are not willing is. Um, to allow that there that there is something uh, out there or everywhere um, that is also true because they think only their only their materialistic perspective is the only true one. Um, so for them, first of all, it is already a, a, a 
yeah it's it's probably a waste of time i don't know maybe, maybe uh or it, it is definitely by far not a, as a as a, a rich experience as as for one that already allows him or herself uh, to to accept yes uh, you have to be you have to you have to be willing yeah. to allow for the experience to happen but that would mean that you even even in your sober life you had certain questions which you were looking for answers to if you've already decided that uh, an atheistic, scientific, capitalistic, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, look at me, egotistical life is the only life worth living and the only life we've achieved, uh, it's, the, it's the high point of um, species life on earth, the survival of the fittest person is the, the one with the most followers. Um, if you believe in all that, then a psychedelic experience is probably going to be lost on you. You're going to resist mm-hmm. it in some yeah, way. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but I think it, this this is interesting. Um, even like native peoples who who use alcohol, you know, they get really drunk and things. And mm-hmm. people say, "Oh, the drunk Indian." They make fun of them. I think actually they were using alcohol in a very psychedelic way. It was an ego demolishing experience, and they were having probably very spiritual um, feelings. Like when I drink when I drink alcohol and I get a little buzz going on, and I'm listening to some Albert Eiler. Like I really feel. Ugh, I mean, I'm, I'm my ego's gone. I'm just like wow. I'm getting blown away by that stuff. Um, it's very possible with any kind of drug that you could have these experiences. You know, looking at a sunset and being overwhelmed. Mm. Um, if you're open to this, it's there. It's there all the time. You know, the the breathing techniques, which you can have psychedelic experiences from, mm, uh, yeah, you can do that too. Uh, it's all there. It's it, it, but you have to have these questions. If you don't have these questions, you'll you you you, you yeah. won't you won't you're have not, these you're experiences. You're not ready yet, but. Uh, this is this is what uh, what I asked myself. How was it possible that it that it appeared? I mean, I, I read so so many things and and people that that already uh, are on the same path or were on the same path uh, because these these books I'm reading they're uh, a couple of decades old. Um, but yeah, it, it is uh, still very interesting. What could cause or what could what could trigger uh, a person to finally open the eyes and uh, not only see a hat, but maybe a, an elephant and a snake. Yeah. Well, if you want to know who built, how the pyramids were built, you need to take drugs. <laughs> That's the solution. Uh, you want not, to know how they no, were built? Um, not take necessarily. Drugs. I mean, you know that... The, no, I'm the, kidding. I'm I, kidding. I, there's, no evidence, there's no evidence that the, the Egyptians um, had psychedelics. I mean, there is... Oh, I know. There is this... One book, I don't know, I don't know the name uh, that says that. Uh, uh, how do you call him, Moses? Moses, um, you know the the, the guy that led the, the uh, Israelis out of Egypt uh, yeah. to their yeah, to the, their holy land. Um, they were saying the burning that, bush that was he, a drug thing. That when he saw the the burning bush, that this was an acacia tree, and acacia trees, many of them are uh, are, are full with DMT. Um, but DMT alone is is not enough, as you know. Um, in in South America, you need a second plant to be able to uh, to that your that your body is not getting rid of the DMT so fast. But but isn't this but isn't this a continuation of the Western scientific mistake well, that they think spirituality comes from a plant? That's I, I think I think native peoples around the world have, have always been spiritual. They were first spiritual, and then the plant was discovered. Um, like they've got it all backwards. I, I the don't plant, know. I, I the think, plant was I think calling it, out to it them. It's just part 
part of the the pattern of nature. Um, I think there is some frequency. That's also the reason why even the common people in, in Egypt were able to um, to be spiritual people, even though they did not have this knowledge or this this wisdom uh, to access spirituality. Uh, uh, like the like the temple priests uh, could access it uh, but because because everything or how they lived the art the architecture everything was just a copy basically of nature you know they had uh, uh, geometrical patterns which followed nature they had probably lighting uh, patterns which followed nature they had uh, astronomical things um, uh, which uh, resembled something like nature. So they, even though it, it was an artificial environment, it was a copy of nature. <clears throat> um, and I can imagine that um, these uh, molecules um, in these uh, psychedelics, they also, I mean, first of all, they are nature, but also they definitely follow cer certain patterns, patterns um, which uh, then cause these uh, strong uh, experiences. Well, all I'm, all I'm saying, though, is that I think there's a move being made. You know, there, there was that Rogan podcast with that guy uh, who did the study of Christianity and he discovered these psychedelics. And they keep trying to, to say that perhaps there's a psychedelic origin for, for Christianity and, the, and many things in the Bible. And I... I think that's another scientific Western mistake. It's a materialist mistake to say that there's a couple of chemicals which have caused the spiritual life to appear. I think once again, you've got it reversed. You're looking for physical, you're looking for physical, rational, um, demonstrable, chemically scientific reasons for the appearance of something which is spiritual. You're trying to found a spirituality on science and it should be the opposite. Science is an instrument of magic and spirit. Science is the spirit came first. The 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 idea of the the the, the spiritual calling for the pyramid existed long before the pyramid was built, and the science was only to it was the instrument of of the spirit. Um, magic magic predates science, and magic allows for science to exist. And magic is much vaster than science. The spirit is bigger. The spirit is first. Uh, but w what if this uh, uh, magic spirit or whatever it is, maybe this is exactly what these molecules, these hormones are. I mean, uh, you can have these um, magical moments without taking a, a, a anything, you, as you said. That's my point. Uh, you, 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 could a, you, you could do it through breathing. You could do it through looking at a painting. You could, you could look at a sunset. Yeah. Yeah. Right you have a beautiful sunset or uh, uh, a bird of prey is, is passing by um, or you're just you're just uh, running like crazy and you're releasing a lot of, uh, how do you call it, endorphins um, or, or other hormones. You, you listen to music um, and it, it uh, produces something in your body. Maybe this these little things that are that are making it uh, tingle and uh, make you shiver and things like this. Maybe this is magic. Maybe this is maybe this is a, a connection um, to 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 the world, to the universe, or whatever. And I think uh, this can be just amplified very much 
by these psychedelics. So well, the psychedelics, I, the psychedelics is just the very, very extreme form. That's why they call it medicine in all these cultures. Yeah. It's, it's like when you really are in a crisis and you've lost your ego's dominant and you, 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 you just want to become a greedy capitalist and destroy all your, your fellow tribesmen. The shaman says, Hey man, you got to take this mushroom. You're, you're, you're about ready to become Bill Gates, man. You're going to ruin us all. You're going to ruin the ruin our hunting ground. Take this mushroom. Um, but, but you know, we we do the same thing today. I mean, we need ever more powerful drugs to 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 save us from this from this life, and uh, or you need really powerful experiences. Like it's not enough to look at a sunset now. A guy looks at a sunset and goes, ah, I see that every day. Mm. I need to go see the Grand Canyon. I need to go look at this mm. incredible thing to be stimulated. And and like, not even then it's working properly. Right, he's like, uh, yeah, it, he's like, oh, let me take a picture of myself standing on this, uh, mm. standing at the edge of this ravine. Yeah. It'll be good for my Instagram account. Or let me look at the Grand Canyon through this tech, technological yeah. uh, camera. And then also the the purpose was uh, mostly uh, not the picture itself or not the moment itself. It was uh, how many clicks and likes and followers. Exactly. And stuff like exactly. Yeah, it, it is. It so is there never is. A, so we we perhaps perhaps everyone needs to be dosed with snake venom. Um, the toad venom. <laughs> they need the most powerful psychedelic. I really, the ego is so strong. Uh, Hamilton Morris had one episode uh, in his uh, television show um, with uh, the the toad venom. He did. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, 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 I haven't, haven't even looked at this guy yet. I, I'm, I haven't. I'm mostly interested in in uh, mescaline and uh, and mushrooms and DMT. But yeah, I'm interested in the the more milder ones. The toad venom, though, I it seems to be one that I would probably want to take one time, and just have the experience. <laughs> no. I don't know if it's uh, smoking the toad. I mean, no. that's something you can put on your resume. No, I've I've smoked the toad. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm I'm trying to explore these uh, these these spiritual aspects through the smallest things, though. Um, you know, yeah, I think uh, I think psychedelics are only only one. They're very extreme. Uh, way, yeah, w the most and, extreme way. I think, and it it should be it should be the last the last uh, step. If if you if you have not uh, accepted, okay, uh, that the materialistic world that you live in, the scientific world that you live in, that this is maybe not completely right, um, then I think you should not start with the psychedelics. You you should still. Uh, find other triggers uh, that make you think, oh, this bird that 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 was beautiful, and the sun, and uh, and these little things. Um, yeah. Oh, but may, may, I, but you know, maybe all of the people still have it. Maybe there is still something that can trigger um, uh, a, a, a kind of magic in the people. So many people that are completely lost. And addicted to this materialistic world with all of the the toxic stuff, they can enjoy music, right? I mean, they can they can still dance in in a, in a club and uh, and enjoy uh, music and, and the light show. Um, they do not even they do they yeah. So there, this there, is very there spiritual. Is definitely, there I mean, is still it, definitely a portal uh, to their soul. Have you listened to recent rap music though? No, I don't know. I, no, I don't know I, if you're this right. Is not my type of <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But the experience, though, of um, of letting go, of letting go. I mean, there, there are people. You know, the people who get involved in the dance music and they take drugs and they have these experiences. This is all ego demolishing. This is spiritual. This mm -hmm. is 
This is very, very close to a religious experience, and that's why it's a lot of that's why a lot of these people really get into it. Unfortunately, though, they don't. It's so temporary. They don't see it as in yeah. It's it's just um it's a pleasure of capitalism to do that. They capitalism has been able to it's 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 monstrous in this way that everything becomes just like a pleasure experience that you pay for. Yeah, but even, even, a spiritual even psychedelics. Thing. I mean, this is this is already big business. It is big business <laughs> yeah. for these Peruvians. <laughs> yeah, it's a big, big problem. Yeah. Get the gringo backpackers down here and give them these psychedelics, and um, yeah, so they can can they can take it off their their uh, uh, bucket list. Yeah, uh, it's it's <laughs> isn't it also silly? It's also silly. Um, but uh, of all these people though that that undergo these experiences, I mean, you, I guess you'd have to say a few of them are are per perhaps spiritually awakened in different ways. Um, But I'm not sure. I mean, are their lives that different? I mean, yeah. I, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's. We live in a time where this this whole grand system is it's it's so it's so pervasive. It, it, I, it's spreading. It's it's very hard to to live outside of it. I I think if if you if you want to go that path, you have to start saying no. This is a sick. This is not the system. This is not the world I will I want to live in. What we do here and right now, to to Mother Earth, but also uh, to to our fellow people, uh, and especially to our own minds, to our own psyche, to our own soul, this is completely wrong and toxic. We have to stop this. I think you have to uh, start thinking like this, and then you can uh, then you can uh, uh, consider taking or get. It, yeah doing other things like uh, and, and the, the the psychedelic one uh, probably the, the the last one well i agree with that i i think that these are the psychedelics obviously are the extreme form but i'm i'm trying to practice in the micro like um very spiritual exercises i'm trying to I'm trying to become a good person and i'm trying to 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 demonstrate my virtue all the time mm -hmm. but i believe that you don't do that publicly like The, the the great expression of virtue is between you and God, like between you and and no one, no other human. It's the silent things that you do in the smallest ways that are unremarkable and no one will ever see. Just you have seen it and done it. And it's like, it's like a simple thing. Like you throw a piece of trash towards a trash bin and it doesn't land in the trash bin, but falls on the ground. Most people, I think, uh, would probably just leave it there, and some they think someone will go pick it up, the the cleaner. But I no, go and I, I pick it up. I don't up. think that most Or, people think like this. Most people think oh, I don't care anyway. Well, right, but I go and I pick it up, yeah. and then also maybe I see someone else throw the trash and they miss it, and they just leave it, and I go and I pick it up, and I but I don't want them to see me do it. Um, whether it's cleaning things up in trailers that people have misloaded, like I do that, I'm doing that all the time, and I've I've gotten to the point where I look at myself like some days I'm very tired. And I think, oh, oh, I'm. I have this question in my mind that something motivates me not to do the job completely. And I think, oh, it'll be fine. It's not going to get damaged, or it'll it'll get there on time. And and then I say to myself, Peter, you're you're being lazy. This is this is this is not virtuous in any way. This is <laughs> this is the seed. This is the seed of so much destruction. This laziness. And so I I I I, I and I, and these are the moments of my great victory. When I when I when I turn back and I go back into the trailer and I do the job properly, and I and I realize to myself this moment of great satisfaction, 
where I've overcome mm-hmm. something ugly in my character, something vicious and lying and spiteful and deceitful. I, I've that's a spiritual moment for me. Mm-hmm. Like that's my that's my Grand Canyon. I've just looked into the Grand Canyon. I've seen my own depravity. And people say, "Oh, you're just talking about doing something minor in a trailer that um, that that would have probably been fine anyway." No, no, no. This is the fulcrum. This is the moment. And you have let it go by, and you've diminished yourself and diminished your spirit by not doing it. And you are the one who makes the decision whether this moment is a virtuous one and a valuable one. And it's in these tiniest moments that are the the building block for for a grand spiritual project. But they have to begin there where no one sees them. It's just between you and the gods. And, th- and that has been my great awakening in maybe the last year. And it's just gotten more and more powerful. And, I, I, and I'm fighting constantly like, you know, like someone says something or does something I don't like and I get angry and I realize, oh, this anger, this is another expression of ego. This is, this is vicious and evil. This is, the, this is destructive. And, I, and, I, and I, I have to fight against these things. I'm trying to be better. I'm, I'm not a good person though. And people would say, Peter, you're a really good person based on their standards. But I'm the one who knows what goes on deeply inside me and, and the thoughts I have and what happens in the back of a trailer and the spiritual war that happens. I mean, it's big. No one knows what I'm doing back there. I'm just, oh, a guy drove in a forklift back in a trailer and he's doing something. No, man, there's spiritual battles going on back there where I am, where I am, I'm being looked at. The gods are watching and they're, they're, they're saying, is this, is this guy a hero or is he just, is he just another average human? And uh, I'm trying to get somewhere. I really am. But guess what? It's never ending. The struggle yeah, but, is every day. But you, you shouldn't I mean, even it, ask yourself the question: Are the gods watching? And do they? Could they think that uh, you're a hero or uh, you're just a normal, average person? No, I'm not you're doing thinking? it because the gods are watching. No, I, I, I'm, I'm misrepresenting what I'm saying. I'm not doing it because the gods are watching. But I realize the gods are my only audience. Mm-hmm. They're my only audience. They're the only ones who would. would I mean, myself as well. I know where I am, and I, I could say. Yeah, all these little things that I've done, they're not little though. These little things are the biggest of all, right? These are like the, man, if only, I, I, but I mean, this is opening my this is opening me in a big way. Like I'm thinking, whoa, whoa. I have all these opportunities throughout the day to, to win spiritual battles, to, to, to fight against my own ego. These are, these are psychedelic experiences in a very, very small way. These are doing the, accomplishing the same sort of work that maybe ayahuasca would. I'm I'm becoming a more honest person. These, yeah. and I, I, I don't know. I'm but, having a hard but I, time I think articulating you were, it. You were a very honest person from the very beginning. I mean, you know, the first time when I met you in Cali, in Colombia, uh, I, I saw you, I didn't like you. Then you started talking. <laughs> uh, and then, then we you went saw to, me, uh, I didn't together, like you. Then we had dinner together and then you, then you uh, told me stuff about you and I, I immediately liked you very much because I, I thought, oh, this guy knows exactly oh this guy just does what he thinks or what he, you say you don't even think what what you had to do you just did it and i could i could feel this you're a very honest person there was just no no question for you that you that you take a chance to to earn a lot of money um so th- this was for me a sign oh a, a person uh with uh, uh integrity with uh yeah with with a, a pure heart 
and uh, it, it seems it uh, even proves it or you prove it when uh, when you are working uh, yeah as a, as a truck driver and forklift truck driver you still do it on a much, much yeah, smaller but I, scale I was still I, I I'm better now than I was I'm more honest than I was yeah I, mean, um, yeah, I was not a I don't know. Yeah, that's part of it, but also my spiritual growth has been has progressed a lot. I was, maybe maybe that, I was, that relates uh, to the age. I still, yeah, it does. But I think a lot of what you were seeing when I was younger was just the product of a good upbringing. I was very lucky to have a good a good home life and parents who were, were religious people, and I was I was very much reflecting reflecting my environment. Now I believe I'm finally doing original work, original spiritual work on my own spirit. I'm making real decisions that are making me a better person. I, I realize that there's a deeper level of honesty that I can shoot for. And I'm not faulting my parents for not telling me about this. You know, if, if my parents sat me down and said, you know, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have to demonstrate honesty in all these little ways throughout the day. Otherwise, da, 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 the gods are watching. I, pr I probably scared the hell out of me. You know, uh, I'm not sure. Look, what I'm... I'm shooting for something. This is all an experiment, right? You know, some philosophers just talk about things and they don't really do anything. I'm trying to reverse that. I'm trying to do something to reveal philosophical ideas. And um, I, I, I'm on to something. I mean, I, I can feel it. It's huge. But it's a deeper level of honesty. There are, there's deep, deep levels of honesty. And these deep levels of honesty um, are small and tiny and minuscule, but they're as bomb-like and huge as smoking the toad. It's, I, I, I feel like I'm smoking the toad every day. I mean, I, I, it's, it, it's ego demolition in the smallest of things. It's, man, these, these shaman, these, these guys are onto something big, man. I'm building pyramids every day. I don't even know how I'm doing it. It's there for you, though. It's there for all these, uh, for, there for everybody. Yeah. It's just, um, and I, and it's I, so easy to, honest, to get sidetracked, though. People just were like this all the time yes and and i'm just tapping point, into something old this is this is what i what i asked you a couple of times what do you think was the critical point when we took the wrong turn in in history of humanity this is a big big question and uh i came up with this uh very weird uh uh speculative hypothesis um I, we should not talk about it because it's it's so so weird but uh i'm really thinking about it because it, it, for me there is no no doubt that what we are doing here, the way we exist, it's just, yeah. There is no essence in it. There is, it's meaningless and it's destructive. And, well, I uh, guess I'm, I'm I, sure we were not like this before. Well, I think I think this is probably the topic for another podcast or yeah. more of them. But you know the the question of the question of what was the what was the turn? What are the essential? What's the what's the anthropological philosophical explanation for things uh, that, that, that we turned in this way? If there is a, a moment where we could say this was the turn, and then also the question, how could we turn back? What would what would a turn back? What, what would that look like? Um, because like you're saying right now, I, when I'm in the back of a trailer doing something and and showing myself in a deeper honesty and having this mystical experience, I think I'm doing something that, like you said. People were doing a lot. They were doing it every day, all the time. You know, it was it was it was common. It was mm -hmm. not anything. I'm I'm not an explorer of new territory. I'm just I'm just discovering lands which were already well known. It's like um, 
you know, mm. going into the Amazon, going into the Amazon and saying, oh my God, this is a beautiful garden. And there's no, you're saying, oh, there's beautiful fruits everywhere. All this stuff. It's incredible. This is paradise. And then you suddenly realize you're in somebody's garden that they, 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 they knew about this and they'd been working there. And, um, this is a territory that's, that's very well known. And you, you think you discovered it. You didn't, you're not, you didn't discover it because you came there with a map and you drew it and you named it. There's been people living there for a long, long time. Mm. They've always been there. Um, and yeah, the gods, the gods are there. The, the gods just didn't appear for me. I mean, uh, I'm just a man. I'm a man as just as any other man. Um, and that's an important notion as well. You're not unique. You are not special. You are, <laughs> just, just throw that out, man. Just throw that out. And there's, there's great spiritual truth in accepting that, that your life is, is just nothing. It will pass. But these, these moments, these truthful moments, these beautiful, truthful moments that anyone can have, this is, this is where it's at. I mean, mm. you, I, mean I, I don't know. It's, it's living and dying. It's all these things. Yeah. And it, but it's minor. It's, it's, a, it's a passing sunset. It's... Um, it's um, it's seeing the beauty in the way the the wind moves through the trees. It's um, it's these fleeting moments, and these are the moments that everyone's rejected because they think they need to look at the Grand Canyon, or they need to. This is the only thing that doesn't matter. They need to uh, be a YouTube star. I don't know. They. But in these little things, it's yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I I realized it recently so many times. I'm just. Um... You know, I, I told you, it was a challenging time for me and uh, I definitely was under a lot of stress, um, you know, work-wise and uh, future and uh, yeah, uh, the, the whole change that came with the coronavirus. But nonetheless, I was, I, I had moments I was extremely happy. I was just riding my bicycle. I was uh, walking. Uh, I was dancing in, in the middle of the night out, outdoors. You know, it's winter here. So I, I, I go to a forest and there's a little, a little river. So I, I go dance there. I had smiles uh, <laughs> on my face uh, for no reason. Dancing by the river. I was just walking and I was literally smiling. <laughs> And even just uh, listening to you now, it just creates this very, yeah, uh, happy. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, this I'm, is I'm, I'm but humor. Constantly just smiling here. Uh, so oh, but fortunately, we don't have a, we don't have a, a, a Skype conversation with a video because you would think, what's going on with him? Is he on <laughs> mushrooms? <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, you you mentioned in one of your emails about humor, and humor is really the big one. Just yeah. laughter and. Um, you know, one of the great joys about working up in Alaska, um, as opposed to working here in Texas, is that the work in Alaska was really, really hard. Like you go down in these holds of boats in the frozen uh, ice and you're throwing fish into buckets and you're freezing cold and your hands are ripped apart. You're, you're in pain all the time. But everyone, a whole group we had, everyone on the front dock team was laughing and cracking jokes. We were exhausted from working 20-hour days, day after day after day, never a day off. We were all having so much fun. We were just, we were obliterated physically, but we were laughing. This, this is beautiful. You know, the Inuit, uh, I'm always talking about the Inuit, but they love laughter and humor. They love the guy who's funny. Mm. These, these, this is like one of the biggest attributes and positive attributes of the people. 
which is people who can laugh in the face of like starvation. Uh, and um, it's, it is beautiful. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why we have such a good time together. We we're always laughing. There's, yeah. there's a lot to laugh was about, Alaska, even the, the dark Alaska, things. Uh, uh, the place where, uh, that opened your eyes when it came to the, no to the northern peoples and their languages and their way of living and their spirituality? Or was it already uh, something you knew before? Well, I went there. My, my, my original plan to going to Alaska, I, I, read, I read some books about Inuit and I had these suddenly incredible revelations about the West and about agriculture. And I, I had ideas and I wanted to, like I've mentioned that book to you, Hugh Brody's book, um, mm. The Other Side of Eden, that, that really most of our ideas were agricultural based in this capitalist system. Whether it's right or wrong, it's debatable, but there, there is a very strong influence of a of, of way of life uh, being an agricultural way of life on the way we think. But if you go to a place where agriculture is impossible, you, you perhaps have, can have different philosophical ideas. The language will be different. Everything will be different. So that's, that was the reason I went to Alaska. But the reason to, to go was I needed to, to, to work and to make money. And I had hopes that I would eventually wind up in the far north with Inuit people and get to go hunting and, and learn the language and do all these things. It didn't happen. But and nevertheless, the experience of Alaska um, is one, even, even working in a, a small town on a, in a cannery on a dock and uh, being around fish and the wildlife and bears and all this stuff, it, it blows your mind if you're someone that grew up in a city and they're... You 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 become aware very quickly that there are there are bigger forces at work in this world, mm -hmm. and I I'd known about that a little bit previously, you know, in Patagonia and and bicycle, you know, I'm being on a bicycle in in desolate areas, and I felt things and seen things, but um, the Alaska experience was also part of that. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, I had I had ideas before I went to Alaska, and uh, I still have unresolved questions about it. I. I You know, but um, now I'm in Texas and now I'm working in the back of trailers, solving those spiritual questions. You know, maybe maybe we can uh, uh, maybe we can wrap it up. Uh, it, I think it is no. Yeah. I, I mean, the podcast. Maybe it is no problem to have uh, still questions. I figured out for me. You know, we started this podcast with uh, death. Yeah. I for me, I figured out. I always said I don't believe in the meaning of life. Um, I don't. I think I changed it uh, quite a bit recently. Um, I just want to live my life in a way uh, that I hopefully get some answers uh, to some questions I don't. I don't. I don't even have already. Um, and uh, and death. Death should be something that. Um, uh, will take place when the curiosity um, of dying is bigger than uh, the curiosity of the non-answered uh, questions I have while living. I think this, this, this is for me the meaning of my, of my existence or the essence of my existence. The curiosity uh, of, of dying should outweigh hopefully at some point Uh, the curiosity to to find these answers uh, during my lifetime. Yeah, I, I agree with that. 
Although I also think that the, the question, what is the meaning of life, when people ask that, it seems to be already biased towards life, you know, right? <laughs> I mean, we don't, say, we don't say, what is the meaning of life and death? It's just saying, what is the meaning of life? Um, you already seem to be guiding the, the, the questioning of meaning towards something that would happen while you're alive. And I think that's a mistake of ego right there. Because when you're saying I'm alive, you're saying this, there's an ego that's, that's here now. When I'm dead, the ego will be gone. But my life and my life as it's lived will project out into the future. And I also believe into the past, depending upon what you, what you do and what you accomplish. Um, like when I make these books, I feel as though I'm reaching out into the future and I'm mm -hmm. reaching out into the past. You know, people who, people who perhaps read my translation of Knut Hampson um, now will change their idea of Knut Hampson. So when they read his books, the, his books are all different now because my book has been brought into existence. And I'm, I will die. Uh, my ego will disappear and be gone. And I won't make any more new books. But my book and this action of this book will have done things in the world and will continue to do things and will carry on by the different people that I've given it to. And wherever that book ends up, maybe a few copies or end up in a landfill. But maybe they all end up in a landfill. But one guy who read Hampson may remember this book and tell someone else. Mm -hmm. And that interpretation of Hampson will get passed along. It'll be diminished over time. It will become like the sands and disappear and wear away, but will always be there, even minuscule. And um, yeah, so I... I, I view, so the meaning of life, the meaning of my life is as well the meaning of my death. The, the meaning carries on uh, because I'm, but that's the thing though. If you could do actions which are bigger than your own ego, I mean, bigger than your own personal pleasure, desire, your own just trying to stay alive and get a little advantage. If you can do selfless things which are not egotistically driven, they're essentially things which go beyond death and life. They're bigger than that. And they go out into the, the past and into the future. And you exist for all time. You go spread throughout history. And guess what? You can do that while you're living, while your ego is here. But these are spiritual acts. These aren't capitalist acts. Um, but this is, the high, this is the highest point of what human beings are capable of, where, they're, where they, can, they can do things in their lives which change both the past and the future which go out before they were even living and go out even after they were dead. These are the meaningful acts. So when I say, what is the meaning of life? I would say the meaning, the meaning of life is to act in such a way that you act beyond life and death itself. That every act is, is so much bigger than you that it's, that it's relevant to all humanity in some way or relevant to more humans than just your, yourself. Isn't that a powerful idea? Yeah. That's, that's what I'm doing at the back of the trailer. Yeah, yeah, I, but I—I I mean, I totally agree. I, I, you know, I don't like my work. Uh, I mean, you—you you obviously enjoy your work, but I never had—I never had a job where I was able to think so much while working. I mean, I'm—I'm—I'm I'm getting paid basically for eight hours a day, uh, uh, to do physical work, but I'm constantly, constantly thinking. Am I thinking about the, uh, the, the, the positive things all the time? No, definitely not. I definitely have to change this. And focus on the on the positive things on on exactly the the stuff we are talking about today, um, but nonetheless it is it is I think uh, 
uh, opening up more possibilities to work <clears throat> in a in a manual labor job uh, if if you uh, want to do something uh, with your brain if you want to do brain work because if you if you sit in front of a computer there is no possibility probably much to do all this brain work uh, that that you do uh, while driving a truck or uh, me while running around and, and collecting certain things well the further the further you get involved in the technologies like computers and stuff like that the the, the further you are away from the earth itself in your body and the physical world um, and I, th I view those 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 things are are called intellectual jobs, right? But uh -huh. I view them as the least intellectual of all jobs because intellect is something I'm interested in as like that I practice in my own way about my own life. Uh -huh. This intellectual work is something which which makes me a slave. It's it's it's, it's it diminishes me. But the manual labor jobs, there's a freedom. You you know your mind can wander. But there's also in the manual labor jobs questions. Can you repeat the same task every day? And so, for so many people, they're just burdened down and destroyed by it. Uh, Me, this, I view it as an opportunity. This would be easily possible. So, for example, I had to take the shovel and, and get rid of the snow, and I was just happy and smiling in the morning. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to have a, a winter day every day. But, I mean, if you have to do physical work outdoors uh, and you, you breathe fresh air and, there, and there's nature, <clears throat> this can be done every day. Um, right. But, but so many I, people know, have a I, bad I mean, reaction. I have to, I have to pick uh, all the time made in China stuff. So this makes it very difficult for me to, to do this uh, uh, task for eight hours every day. But uh, it's still better than sitting in front of a computer and doing some abstract nonsense. Well, I look at it like this. Like if, I, if I'm picking up products and I pick up Chinese products as well and move them, it, it's very easy for me to think, ah, these these damn Chinese ah this globalism oh this I'm just a I'm just a cog in a system that I hate da 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 and get very negative about it. Uh -huh. um, but then I think Peter, why are you being so negative? This is your ego. This is this is this is this is once again your disgust with the world, and that has nothing to do with it. This is a bad bad thing to be thinking. This is this is this is something which is spiritually deficient to feel this way. This is it. This is saying the world must change for me. I don't like the way it looks right now. I don't. That's ridiculous. Um, so pick up, find, find joy in your work, put a smile on your face and be humorous about it. So what? There's things from China. Let's work on trying to lift this pallet and carry these, not damage these products in any way, these Chinese products. Let's treat them, treat them as prizes, as wonderful things. And let's think about them in a positive way. Like, like these are spiritual battles, you know, but I'm not sure I could have the same spiritual battles, like looking at a, a spreadsheet on a computer and going, Oh God! Uh, this uh, the debits and the credits and da 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 da. Like I, like I don't. It's so hard. I don't know if I could find like um, real substantial interest in doing that. Like I, I would really struggle with that. Uh, because at least at least I'm saying like, Peter, use your use your hands and your muscles and your arms to uh, yeah. manipulate these levers to pick up the pallet. And there's a whole physical component. It's earthly yeah. still. Yeah, the computer is the computer is not earthly. Yeah, I mean, at least we're, at least yeah. we can sweat. We can sweat, you know, while we work. I mean, you don't see the accountant. The accountant's not sweating. Mm -hmm. the, um, the, the, the office, the secretary is not sweating, you know? We can sweat, man. We're lucky. Mm -hmm. We do a job where we can sweat. Oh, man, we're lucky for that. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, yeah, you, you spoke, uh, you mentioned your book. How, how is it coming along now? 
Uh, I'm just dealing with some technical problems with making the cover, but I think they're resolved, and I think this week it's going to um, uh, be going to press. They're going to start printing it probably by this week, yeah. Yeah, I, I will come as soon as possible and pick pick one up, or we, we meet in Colombia next time. Yeah, I think probably in the, maybe in Colombia we'll, yeah. we'll meet. Hey, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Yeah, perfect. Um, I think it was a good um, one today. Oh, it got good at the end, right? Yeah. I don't know. So let me let me count down from five, and we'll stop it. Five, four, three, two, one. Stop.